Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. If you've ever wanted to talk to your cat or dog, have a conversation with them. I mean, other than the, you know, you might, like right now, I'll meow back and forth between my cat. <laughs> and of course, we don't understand each other, but it, it shows that we're trying to communicate. They are saying, and they being Dr. Konslobodjikov. Slobotchikov. Again? <laughs> Slobotchikov. <laughs> Dr. Konslobotchikov will be joining. I was just playing with you there. Uh, will be joining us later on. He thinks that pet translators are just really around the corner about a decade away and these devices will tell us exactly what our animals are saying. And as far as my cats, I'm, I'm not sure that I want to know what they're saying. But uh, nonetheless, it would be nice to talk to the dog, have a conversation with the dog. He'll tell us all about that coming up before the end of the show today. We're taking your calls toll-free at one 405 8405 if you want to talk to Dr. Debbie or Joey Volani. And Dr. Debbie, i got to say... You stink today. How? <laughs> you put, you put How? it so nicely. I know. Hey, I have an excuse. I have an excuse. This is, you know, we're dealing with what kind of I call sewer work around here. What do you mean um, sewer so work? Um, dealing with butt stuff going on. Really? Um, so I, I have a cat patient who has what we um, call megacolon. Oh. And it's basically a condition in cats where they have probably pooping and they get constipated and they get constipated to a point where the colon gets greatly distended to like three times its normal capacity and that actually can cause damage to the colon and then kind of sets a cycle where they can't poop at all um so this kitty i mean i'm telling you this looks like this is like a 120 pound person um the amount of feces that was inside of it on an x-ray so um we tried some medication fluids things didn't work so um the sewer work as i call it is basically where we manually empty the colon with uh, enemas and they're under anesthesia and we basically break that up um, with a lot of work just kind of getting stuff out of the backside so my odor is not my fault and okay the, the good the good news is the kitty um, will be able to poop comfortably and that also this kitty also couldn't urinate because <gasps> the colon was so huge mm. it was blocking the bladder off so she, so he couldn't empty his bladder so um, a lot of t- tough work in the ICU that's been going on for the last couple of days but hopefully after this procedure he'll be able to poop again get him on some good medications and get him comfortable and uh, keep uh, keep the poop rolling, if you will. <laughs> How old is he? He's um, about a seven, eight-year-old cat. Um, he was kind of a, a rescue, so we're kind of guessing there about. Um, and he had been on some medications to help try to manage his stools because he'd gone through about this uh, many years ago, and we we thought that you know everything was going swell, but. Uh, Things have changed. He's older um, and definitely has some other issues going on. Mm. But um, so the one thing that I always like to point out to cat owners is if your cat doesn't poop at least once a day, that is a problem. Oh, um, really? So, yeah, cats, as they get older, and they naturally contend towards constipation and they can be like dehydrated without us knowing it, even if they, we think they're drinking enough. Um, so this can occur. So if your cat doesn't poop every day, um, it's something to ask your veterinarian about. And usually we can just put our hand on a belly like his and I can feel the poo just kind of you know, all backed up but uh, mm-hmm. in his case the x-ray tells the whole story mm. but now what Would about wet a cat food w- help that over dry kibble you know um it, it can help only in the sense that there's more moisture in canned food but it doesn't once we get to the point he's at there's nothing that helps it's just the colon mm. is the part of the body that that takes 
fluid away. So if your body's kind of, you know, if you need a little extra hydration in your body and you're not taking in more, the colon will pull fluid out of its contents and it goes into your, your, your bloodstream. Um, and, but then that means that the stool gets drier and harder and it becomes like concrete or even clay. And it just physically can't move out without, um, you know, the best of enemas and, um, you know, sometimes getting down and dirty like this. Now, what about a cat that poops 15 times in 24 hours? That's a different situation. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? The interesting thing is cats can be constipated and still pass poop. And a lot of times I have um, cat owners that say, oh, he's pooping fine, but a little kibble falls out or they'll pass some diarrhea. And there's still a lot of stool in, but they're passing liquid around it. So they still can actually have a a buildup in that way you don't really recognize Mm. it. You have a glamorous job, but I'm sure you're a a hero to that cat that finally can poop and pee. And as we say, it all comes out good in the end. Yep. (laughs) It's a a little poop joke there, just in case. Lucky to have a good owner. So we're going to go to the phones, and you can ask your questions of Dr. Debbie in just a couple of seconds here. At the bottom of the hour, we do a quick check from the Animal Radio Newsroom and Miss Lori Brooks. What are you working on for this hour? Well, we have a new report from the Department of Transportation. Uh-oh. which deals with transportation, and that includes airplanes. Oh. So, yeah, we've got the numbers on, like, how many pets fly and how many, you know, incidents happen, how many pets don't make it, that kind of stuff. Okay, that's on the way. Listen and heed this advice that's coming up if you plan on traveling with your animal. Uh, which one, Judy? Let's go to line one. And we go to Rogelio calling from Los Angeles. Is that correct? That's correct, sir. I'm calling from Los Angeles. How are you doing? What's going on today? I'm doing great, sir. Thanks for asking. Uh, yes, uh, actually, I have a question about my dog. Um, uh, her name is uh, Princess. Okay. Okay, and sure. Princess, it's uh, licking my uh, head all the time. She's licking um, my hands, and then every time I go to sleep, she always do that. I, I don't know why, why she do that. She's licking your hands, and was there something else she was licking to? I didn't catch all my that. My hair. Your hair. My okay. My hands. And then yeah. she's, like, pretty, and sometimes she's pretty upset, and I, I don't know why. Like, I mm-hmm. work graveyard, so, like, every time she just tried to sleep with me all day, and she is scared of uh, little kids. Okay. And also, uh, mm-hmm. she scares of uh, people, because she was mistreated before, and so mm-hmm. I have her. She's been very happy, but it's only with us, me and my wife. She's happy with you, but anything else kind of gives her, gets her nervous, yeah, like, frightened? She gets nervous. She gets scared. Like, every time I take her out, she's all mm-hmm. the time inside. She don't want to go outside. So if she goes outside or is around, say, noises or children or cars, what does she do? She, like, tried to run away from people, and she tried to okay. hide behind me, like, right away. She tried to I look see. for a uh, place to hide right away. Okay. Well, these may be two separate things, or they could actually be kind of connected. So um, there are many dogs that have what we call excessive licking. Um, Sometimes dogs may lick excessively um, when they have digestive problems of various sorts. And then there's kind of the whole behavioral triggers for that. And um, it can actually be a self-soothing behavior. So it helps to kind of calm some dogs in some ways. Um, So that's a possibility. Um, It's a way of showing affection as a dog. 
dog. Um, you know, they groom each other, they lick each other. So, you know, licking a human that they endear can be a sign of affection in that way too. But, you know, if it's potentially something related to anxiety, I, I could kind of make that case from what everything else you're describing because a dog that's really anxious in a lot of certain situations, um, anything new, um, new people, um, sounds, movements, children, other animals, you know, it, it, it can be hard on the phone to determine exactly what potential triggers your pet has and what the root causes, but I kind of lump this into a generalized anxiety category until I know otherwise. And that just basically means that a lot of things make your pet anxious and that she has behaviors that are um, not calm, productive behaviors when she's faced with those things. So the trick is, yeah, if, she, if there were experiences she's had before, that's kind of set the tone. So you can't take away whatever's happened to her and you're never going to change that. But how we move forward is really the important thing. And for a dog that has this kind of anxiety, there's a couple key things that we really want to do. One is we definitely need to provide a lot of structure in her world. And that basically means we are going to set her up to succeed. And we're going to set her up to situations that are not going to be overly stimulating for her. So if right now she gets freaked out going on a walk or going to the park because kids are there or there's noises, we don't want to put her in that situation um, because we need to set up a good pattern where she has positive experiences, where she feels calm, safe, and she knows it's a predictable environment. The worst thing you can do is take a dog with this kind of fearful behavior and say, we're just going to make her get used to it and take her out into those situations and just flood her system. Um, so that would be the wrong thing to do. Um, so the best thing would be if you do take her out for walks, take her out when children or other people are really not out there. So I know of some folks in my neighborhood that walk their reactive dogs before sunup, before people are out. And they keep a distance away from those triggers, whatever they may be. And just to not get your pet too close to those things that get her worked up and, and nervous. Um, but the other things that we, we really have to do for a dog that has this is really training is very important. Um, because many dogs don't know how to relax and how to be calm in the face of something that's stressful. So we need to teach her how to relax and reward her to be calm and not on guard. And so that you practice in the quiet of your own home, get her a little pillow, a place, and that becomes her little safe spot. And we eventually we train her to go to that place with a command. Um, in my house, it's the word pillow. And both my dogs go to their pillow, they lay down, and they have to be calm and quiet before I get a treat. I don't want a dog going to pillow and barking and whining and crying and licking their lips and looking all around. That is not what we want to reward. We want to reward that quiet moment where there's just, they're paying attention and they're just quiet. And then you treat and you give a reward. And we build on that. And that's just one way for her to start learning that I get good things when I'm calm and quiet and when I'm not acting up. I see. And now what type of food, I say, I have a Havanese, and what type of food can I give her? Any type of food, or it has to be in a specific type of food? It doesn't have to be a specific type, and as long as she's not having any digestive problems that are making any these behaviors worse, um, then I don't necessarily have a specific diet that I would tell you you should be feeding. Um, but, um, you know, the thing like the licking can sometimes be related to pets that have um, digestive problems or um, problems. So if you have any diarrhea or she has any diarrhea, vomiting, or she doesn't eat her food well, we may need to think about switching it. But otherwise, I, I don't necessarily think I would change things around right now. 
Something she don't she don't want to hear and she bombed uh, she bombed dialogue uh, sometimes. Does she? Yeah. So I would mention that to your veterinarian because that may mean we do need to address um, you know her digestive tract and maybe look at a different diet for her. So well, well good know. luck with that. Thank you, ma'am. You have a great day, both of you. Take care. You Thank you, Rogelio. Uh, calling at 1-866-405-8405. Don't forget you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. Hi, friends. This is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. After a traumatic experience at the veterinary office, have you ever thought to yourself, there has to be a better way? When your veterinarian is fear-free certified, you'll find your pet's vet visit is safer, more comfortable, and actually enjoyable. Your dog will go from shaking in the lobby to pulling you into the exam room with a wagon tail, and your cat will be purring inside the carrier. To find a certified fear-free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. And imagine being able to talk to your animals and, well, they talk back to you. (laughs) may not be a pretty thing when you think about it, when I think about it, certainly. But, you know, if they were sick, it would be nice to know if they could say, hey, my head hurts or my leg hurts. You know, you wouldn't have to guess what was wrong with them. And in just a few minutes... It would solve a lot of problems. It would make a a world of difference, Lori. I can tell you that. What would your dog be saying to you right now? What would Tater be saying to you if he could? Mom, I think it's time for a new antler. There you go. You see, you would know exactly (laughs) when it was time. He loves them. Dr. Khan Slobotchikov will be on in just a few minutes, and he says that we are just about a decade away from a machine or a device that can actually tell us what our animals are saying. It would translate what they're saying. You've seen them on the market now, and of course, they're just for uh, games and novelty right now. But he's very serious, and he'll be on with us in just a few minutes to tell us all about that. He's doing a lot of research on that. Let's see. What else do we have coming up? Oh, Joey, what do you have? Well, I don't know. I've never really been to the Grand Canyon, but I'm, I've, I've got a call about red clay and staining on dogs' coats, and I definitely know how to get it out. That stuff can be nasty, so I cannot wait to hear what, uh, what you have in mind there. Lori, what are you working on for this hour? There's a really big dog food scare in the news again, and this time again, uh, like the last really huge one that got you know national attention, not just to pet food people, uh, is because of pentobarbital. The euthanasia drug has been found in four different kinds of pet food at this point. So we'll tell you about those and keep you up to date. First year calls, toll free at 1-866-405-8405, and we'll go to line two. We have Deb calling from Hawaii. Hey, Deb, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing? What's going on? Um, well, my cat's got an abscess on his foot. I think he got bit by another cat. I wasn't sure to begin with. And when he first presented was like last Friday, not this Friday. Okay. And it was really, really swollen, and he was limping and stuff. And so I gave him some homeopathic remedy. And um, then the next day I realized that he'd licked licked it around the wound, and you could see a puncture wound. So then I started soaking it with hot water and trying to squeeze it out, and I was squeezing pus out, but it was just white pus. And so I did that for two or three days, and the swelling went down a lot, 
course, he didn't like it, you know, because I'm sure it hurt a little. And so I squeezed all the pus out as much as I could, and then it turned clear. And so I kept continuing to do that. And in the meantime, he kept feeling better and stuff. So now it got to a point where all the pus had come out, but there was still some liquid coming out. It was just clear liquid, basically. Okay. And a little bit of marble size left over, and now it's healed over. Okay. So, Deb, is there a reason that you haven't gotten this kitty on antibiotics and seen a vet? Um, I just haven't really seen a need for it to do that because I've talked to other people, and they say, you know, pretty much it's going to have to run its course anyway. Okay. So I'm a fan of definitely um, minimalistic treatment if it is appropriate. And what you're describing when we have a swollen body part where there's actually pus coming out, that is for me a number one indication when we need to seek antibiotic therapy. Now, the small little cuts, scratches, um, things like that, yeah, I'm a fan of superficial treatment using something like vetricin, just a little bit of wound care. But once you have swelling under the skin, redness, warmth to to the tissue, Once you have that for more than 12 hours, you've got an established infection or cellulitis. So we need to get that kitty on antibiotics. And um, while I'm glad he's feeling okay, in your opinion, normally with kitties in this situation, when they have a really swollen, pussy body part, antibiotics within 24 to 36 hours, this will be done and gone. So, um, you know, it's a missed opportunity to expedite the healing in your pet. Um, Not too late, and I would certainly still see about getting this kitty on some medication, and there's a lot of ways we can do that. Some, there's even an injectable antibiotic in cats that you just give once, and it lasts for several weeks, so you don't have to keep redosing. Anything, I think, in this point um, would be helpful to to see this to resolution. Um, And uh, again, it's just, uh, you know, pain control is another big thing. Once we get to these red, swollen, painful things, I was almost sent to the hospital for a cat bite, and a lot of times what happens with these wounds that kitties and dogs get is the skin will seal over very quickly and it traps that bacteria and the infection under the skin. So while, yes, we do need to get that infection out and liberated, um, we also have to treat it at its core. And uh, antibiotics are definitely indicated for these type of situations. So um, I, I would just encourage you to see that, um, at least get some of that basic care that, that we need to get going. And then you can supplement that with the home care, um, the wound care soaks and so forth forth on top of that does that make sense well it it makes sense but he um it is not hot and it isn't red okay well we're past that point now but as i said once we have pus pus is yellow it's white once we have that thick exudate coming out of the skin that is an established infection so that's the point where we really should be intervening with antibiotics my goal as a veterinarian is to help preserve suffering in pets so i want to make sure that we get the best help we can as early as possible and for the most appropriate situation so um, that would be my recommendations and just in you know the future uh, for those small cuts and scrapes, I like that approach. I think that's a very good proactive approach. Um, but there's a time you need to pick up that phone and see the veterinarian. So I hope that helps, Deb, and uh, give your kitty a, a good pat on the head. Um, and I hope he's back to feeling his old feline self uh, very soon. one 405 This Healthy Serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the Grain-Free Red Barn Naturals Canned Food for Dogs and Cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. You can learn more over at redbarninc.com. And thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. 
Those big, scary storms can be terrifying for your pet. And we know that when they're stressed, so are you. Take good care of your buddy with VetraScience Composure. VetraScience Composure helps ease anxiety for pets caused by storms, travel, and owner separation. It won't sedate them, and your pets will love the taste. Also, try our Glycoflex for hip and joint health, as well as multivitamins and probiotics. Find VetraScience supplements at your local pet store, Petco, or your vet. Learn more at VetraScience.com. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Hey, if you feed your dogs wet or canned food, which is manufactured by the J.M. Smucker Company, the Food and Drug Administration has issued an alert because some of the Smucker's pet food has been contaminated with pentobarbital, which is a euthanasia drug. The brands that are called out exclusively in this government alert are Gravy Train, Kibbles and Bits, Old Roy and Skippy canned, or some call it wet dog food. And pentobarbital is a, a drug that is used to induce death. They use it for euthanasia. So, indeed, it can be fatal. So I have a question. Yeah. How does, um, how do, do drugs that, are, that you find in euthanasia, how does that make it into a pet's food? I'm confused. Well, you see, let me explain that to you. The animals that are processed that they're eating have been euthanized some of them have been euthanized using pentabol oh, yes yes you. and it could be the cows and it actually they're finding horses finding mm-hmm. other cats and dogs in yeah. the pet food that have been euthanized that is just wrong just completely wrong well yeah. let's take in mind the brands of the food that we're talking about here we're talking about old roy and gravy train and what is the other one kibbles and bits kibbles and bits you know can i say this we, none of these are sponsors because we would never allow them to be a sponsor of Animal Radio. That's pure crap to begin with. And I said that, and you can send your letters right to me at uh, <laughs> your voice at Animal Radio. You shouldn't be feeding the, your animals those brands is what I'm saying. Yes. And I think, well, I can't speak for Skippy, but I can say that if you're worried about pentobarbital in, in any of those foods, you should see what's really in those foods. And, and the legal limit for, for pentobarbital in any pet food is zero. So if there is even the tiniest amount, which can only get in there through animals that have been euthanized, it's illegal. And I got this uh, this in this morning on the wires that the FDA and Smucker, Smucker who makes gravy train and kibbles and bits, yeah, the jelly people, <laughs> they don't agree on which one of the dog foods are a problem. And actually, Smucker says there's more foods that are, they're, they're recalling more foods than the FDA. More stuff. lot numbers. More lot right. numbers, Right, there yes. are different lot numbers on there or... Um, whatever they call them, container numbers. Yeah. And what, what happens is they will issue all those numbers. I think there's 17 that Smucker issued. And the FDA says, wait, isn't there more? One of them said, you know, it's really kind of chaotic. So I made it a blanket statement that, you know, Kibbles and Bits, Gravy Train, Old Roy, and Skippy, canned wet dog food. All of them stay away for now and you should be safe. By the way, we always have our latest pet food recalls on our website at animalradio.com. Again, let me just say, those are Gravy Train, Kibbles and Bits, Old Roy, and Skippy, all canned or wet dog food. Well, maybe it was better that Dexter the Peacock, remember we talked about him a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. the Peacock, that he didn't get on the plane? Because a bulldog named Bator 
was allowed on a flight in December and was discovered dead in his flight carrier after the plane landed at Newark Airport. And that was also, you know, that was just kind of like the icing on the cake as far as officials went, because that was after several other dogs on Newark-bound flights were found dead after their plane rides in the cargo hold landed at Newark. Well, last year, 24 animals transported as cargo by U.S. airlines were found to have died in flight, and another 15 were injured. That's according to a new report by the Department of Transportation, which says the deaths and injuries were only a small percentage of the nearly 507,000 animals transported by the 17 major U.S. airlines. Now, this, of course comes as an increasing number of pet parents are attempting to take their dogs and cats and peacocks on board flights, claiming them to be service animals. Well, according to the federal data compiled by the government's Aviation Consumer Protection Division, most of those that were injured, they were self-inflicted injuries, which were caused by an animal chewing or clawing at its transportation crate. And on top of that, it's pretty scary in that cargo hold. Now, the biggest air carrier at Newark is United Airlines, which accounted for most of the deaths and injuries nationwide. That report showed 18 animals died while being transported, another 13 injured. A spokesman for the company said that's because United saw a huge increase in the number of pets it transported last year, and it may have accounted for the rise in transported pet deaths. As for injuries when pets fly in cargo, most of those injuries are self-inflicted due to frightened animals trying to escape their travel crates. However, the Animal Legal Defense Fund has questioned the accuracy of the federal data, and they say that we should be skeptical because the Department of Transportation does not require airlines to report deaths or injuries for non-companion animals, except for dogs and cats. That means that animals that are being shipped to zoos or research facilities are not reported in those statistics. So there really could be more animal deaths. Now, by the way, United does send a 15-page booklet to everyone who plans to ship an animal, which the booklet goes over all the rules and crate sizes and pets that the airline cannot accommodate. And one, uh, I found this interesting, one crate training exercise recommended in that booklet is to put the pet in its shipping carrier and then drive through one of those automated car washes a few times so that the noise, the vibration and movement of the plane, which will be kind of similar to the car wash, does not cause alarm when the animal is on the plane. I happen to have one of my dogs with me many years ago that I'm like, well, let's just stop and get the car washed. Not a good thing. <laughs> she was, I think she was traumatized and that was my own fault. I didn't, it, it wasn't the same to me because I obviously understood what was happening. She did not. And even though I was there, it was still pretty traumatic for her. So I don't advise that. Um, another option might be to save the money you would use to put your pet on an airplane and instead book a reliable pet sitter because you might even save money and your pet will be thankful. Or take that money and buy an extra seat and have your your animal on the plane with you because you can still do that. There's nothing that keeps you from putting your animal on the plane, not as a service animal, but as a passenger. I think we've said this like a million times. Don't put them in the cargo hold. That's like, that's crazy to I do that. I would never do that. Nope. I think the reason that, that Bader, the dog, had um, 
problems and then died. Uh, a lot of the brachycephalic dogs will have that because breathing is more difficult for them. And if they're shipped during the hot months, just, a, you know, not a good idea. So, you know, treat treat your pet like it's part of the family, like we know most of you do. Yep. And they'll everybody will be happier. Mm-hmm. I'm Lori Brooks. You can get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. It's the illustrious dog father on Animal Radio. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking, this this theme, we've been using the same theme for you for eight, no, ten years? Ten years. Holy moly, ten, ten years. years. It's been that long already? This is your ten-year anniversary on Animal Radio coming up here. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Unbelievable! That is unbelievable. It really does. When you're having fun, I didn't. Yeah, I'm having. Yeah, I think I am. I don't know. Maybe I'm a little. Maybe I'm just getting a little. See, I'm getting older. You know, I don't know. Anyway, um, hey, has anyone been to the Grand? I've never been to the Grand Canyon. Has anyone been to the Grand Canyon? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess there's a lot of red clay. Oh my God! You track it everywhere, and that stuff stains like crazy. Your clothes, your carpet. And your animals. You know, yeah. that's what I want to talk about because I had a fan who um, just came back with her Westies and they can't get the staining out of the dog. Now, it's, this is something, you know, that parts of New Jersey um, we used to deal with all the time. And, um, you know, a lot of the pet shampoos, some work, some don't. Um, but we had a really, really good, easy remedy that takes it out. Now, the first thing I'm going to say, though, is make sure that it's a light-colored dog. Usually on a dark-colored dog, you're not going to see these stains anyway. But the reason why I say that is because my remedy will turn your black dog a little bit red. Um, so you don't you don't want to um, you know put it on a, on a dark color. So like creams and whites, it's perfect. And what you're going to do is you're going to take um, like an eighth of a cup of hydrogen peroxide, and you're going to mix that with a eighth of a cup of of cornstarch. And you're going to make a paste. Now, if it's a little too soupy, just add more cornstarch because you want something that has a thick consistency, almost a little bit less than, remember the paste they used to get in grammar school? That you used to eat? Yeah, well, I never ate it, but yes, yes, exactly, exactly. A little bit less than that consistency. And what you're going to do is you're going to put it on the areas that need it to be applplied to, and you're going to let it sit on for a good 20 to 30 minutes. What if they lick it now, off? Are they going to, they're going to... You know what? Well, I've never had problems with dogs licking it off, but honestly, the cornstarch is, is non-toxic, and the peroxide's not going to kill them. Okay. It's nothing, I mean... Not a big you deal. Could have some, you could have some intestinal gas issues afterwards, but no, it's... Not a big Nothing deal. more than usual. Yeah, baking soda would make him sick. Would it? I well, didn't know that. Use cornstarch. Oh, yeah. okay. Good to know. So you put that on and you let it sit. And it's funny you say that because somebody had mentioned baking soda, but the problem is with the baking soda, sometimes it, you get irritation. So cornstarch actually works better. You put it on 20 to 30 minutes, brush it off, and your stain should be removed completely. Here's my tip for you. If you're planning to buy a new car, get a white car because it won't show the dirt. If you're planning to, to adopt a new dog, get a dark dog that won't show that red dirt. <laughs> that's just a little. And that tip's free, by the way. That's a, I'm just giving that to you. That's, that's I, a Hal tip. That is a Hal yeah, tip. Yeah, maybe we should start doing those weekly, Hal. Yeah. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy. 
No fillers, just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our grain-free rolled food. It's protein-packed with less risk of food sensitivity. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hey, Kevin, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you for taking my call. Where are you calling from today? I'm calling from Los Angeles. You guys are having way too much fun out there. Yeah, we we are. <laughs> so what, uh, what do you got going on? I understand you want to talk to Dr. Debbie. Question. I was listening to your program being broadcast early this morning in Los Angeles, and there was a lady that spoke about a German Shepherd and how he was distempered in his rear hind legs, and he had some spinal condition. I also, too, own a German Shepherd. He's a vibrant fellow. He's three years old. His name is King. And uh, I know that in the future, I'm going to have to anticipate some type of hind problem, because that's what they're typical for. Uh, I, didn't hear, I didn't hear you. You anticipate what? The German Shepherd experienced some, some problems with his hind legs because they're known for having problems yeah. with their hind legs. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so my question was, is knowing that that's going to come in the future, is there some form of insurance that you can purchase for your dog for medical situations? Because having to take them to the vet gets very expensive, and just to have mm-hmm. to outright pay that kind of cash is very expensive. And I want to give the best care to my animal that I can. I just always, I can't afford it because they're so expensive at the veterinarian now. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? It, it's great that you're thinking ahead because you know, a lot of people don't anticipate those big bills when they come up. And, you know, there's a lot of great advances we have in veterinary medicine, but they come at a cost. And, um, right. you know, a lot of, a lot of these things can be price prohibitive um, if you're not ready for them. So right. with, with any breed of dog, my recommendation is I do recommend pet insurance, and I prefer to get a, a dog or a cat into that when they're young preferably as a puppy or a kitten, because number one, your rates are going to be the lowest then, and also you haven't set any kind of patterns of pre-existing conditions, um, because once your dog, say, has a problem with allergies or ear infections, that's already documented in the medical record, and those may not be covered if you sign up for insurance later. So the best advice is get into insurance early. Um, and then your question about some of these big problems in shepherds, like hip dysplasia, um, you have to be cautious because if you are hoping to have that kind of insurance help you for a specific condition, you really need to check the pet insurance carefully. Um, there are different exclusions for both hereditary conditions and pre-existing conditions. So if, for example, you were to tell me you went to the vet down the street and they told you your dog has hip dysplasia right now, and then you try to get an insurance policy after the fact, it's very possible that a company might not cover it at all. Wow. So some conditions, if they're treatable, they will, even if it's pre-existing and it's been noted before, they may cover it. But it depends on the company. It depends on the condition. Um, so it's something I'd have a hard time telling you, blanket, which one to go with. Mm. Um, but the other thing to keep in mind with some of these different pure breeds 
breed diseases, and, and hip dysplasia is very common in German Shepherds, is that that has a, a hereditary base. So it is passed on from generation to generation. So they may have an exclusion based on that oh. as well. So what I recommend, you can do this stuff online. It's it's very easy. You go to the different insurance uh, pet insurance um, websites, and you can go through and ask for a free quote. And um, it's very easy. You get a little annoying email after the fact, but you can always unsubscribe if you don't want that. <laughs> um, but it's a really good way to kind of price compare. And then when something is looking like it's in your budget, I do suggest to get someone on the horn and add those specific questions um, for those conditions. Mm-hmm. Are premiums based, and I know you're not an insurance representative, but you do take several insurances uh, down at your practice. Do they usually charge a higher premium for animals that might be predisposed to sort of, you know, the luxating patella or these? uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, they do. They do. In certain breeds, like, you know, for instance, the English Bulldog, a fabulous breed, but uh, they're a veterinarian's good friend. (laughs) They're in all the time. So um, as a breed, yes, you're going to find a higher rate. And that's why when you get these quotes that you're putting through, they're going to ask you what breed, what age, and not only that, but where you live in the country. Because how a veterinarian practices in uh, Los Angeles or Las Vegas might be very different than a remote part in Arkansas. So the cost of the veterinary care may be different regionally. So they're going to kind of uh, base that on your region there. Let me tell you what uh, we've done here um, personally. This is me. Not, I'm not talking for Animal Radio, but I priced the insurance, and then I decided to take a certain portion out of my paycheck every month. Instead of paying the insurance company, I put it into an interest-bearing savings account. This is a savings account specifically for medical emergencies for my animals, and I'll let that grow, and I'll collect interest on that. Then I don't have to really worry about any kind of pre-existing conditions. Well, you know what, Hal? That'll only get you so far. So let's say I have a perfect example. I have a client who had a a Labrador puppy that needed an intestinal surgery because he ate something. So um, we had that surgery done, and then uh, she got some insurance. She let it lapse, and wouldn't you believe it or not, he needed another procedure, another emergency surgery just less than six months later. So if you're counting on savings, it can really get wiped out quickly by multiple events. And something like, uh, say, a hip surgery. You know, you're looking for a large breed dog, minimum $2,500 for some hip procedures. Some will be upwards. You know, a hip replacement can be a heck of a lot more than that. So, you know what? You you can gamble that way, but just I advise caution because, you know, you're limited with what you can select down the road. Yeah. Uh, either way, I think both are good ideas. And I, I know that I don't want you. Here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to pay for the insurance, get into a situation, and then the insurance claim be denied for one reason or another. Oh, yeah, that's so true. And you really, that's where people need to ask questions, find out what it covers and what it doesn't. And, and that's really, um, I, I hate for people to buy insurance and just do it blindly. You need to know what you're getting. Well, listen, I certainly thank you for your advice. I think I'm going to try both situations. I'm going to start saving a little bit, and then I'm going to also look at those quotes, too. Kevin, thank you for listening to Animal Radio. Please tell a friend. We appreciate it. I will. You guys are doing an excellent job. Thank you very much. Take care of yourself. Calling from Los Angeles today, that is uh, Kevin. Shall we all bow? There you go. I, I bow for each and every listener. I love each and every... I'll give you, all of you a big sloppy kiss. No tongues. Hmm? What? I can't do that? I'm sorry. Whoa. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on. Learn more. Admit it. You love your dog, and he is part of the family. So, when choosing your next vacation, don't forget Fido. With just a little planning, the entire family can enjoy a road trip. 
To find the best vacation spot for Spot, subscribe to Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog, where each issue includes hotel and destination reviews, where both you and Fido are welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and find out what all the barking's about. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Dr. Debbie, you have a tough job because your patients, they generally can't come into you and say, oh, I have a stomach ache or I, my eye hurts or this or that. They, they can't talk. So you have to really kind of be a, a private investigator, a detective to yes. figure out what's going on, huh? Exactly. That is my description of what I do as I am a, in a detective for animal health. And I do wish my patients could talk to me because it would make my job so much easier and we don't have to rely on so many tests and so forth. Well, that may not be very far away, according to Dr. Kant Slobotchikov. <laughs> Good one, Hal. <laughs> Slobotchikov. What was no, that? I say kudos to you for being able to say Slobodchikov. Well, if you say anything really fast, no one notices, right? <laughs> Slobodchikov. Slobot. Actually, Judy told me before the show this morning, she said, it's Slobotchikov. And this guy's been on before, and apparently the first time, I didn't pronounce it exactly right. So she wanted to correct me this morning. She did. So I've been practicing. I've been walking around back and forth, uh, going Slobotchikov, Slobotchikov, Slobotchikov. Well, you can keep the compliment. Thank you. It's free, right? <laughs> I will keep it. I will tuck it away right over here. And when I need a compliment, I'll just pull it right out of this pocket. Uh, he says that pet translators are about a decade away. And, of course, there's there's those novelty ones you could get on Amazon.com right now that really kind of don't – it's for fun and games. But he's talking very seriously. There may be a time very soon where you can hook a device up to your uh, animal. I, I think what he's talking about actually hooks onto your head, onto their head, and you can actually hear what they're saying. I don't know if this technology will actually come to fruition, but I can think that that would only help you very much. I think it'd be tremendous. Um, you know, I'm a little skeptical. I would I, I wonder if every other word would be squirrel. Squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I really wonder what my dogs would say to me. You know, like, you know, I kind of get the stink eye from my Bouvier sometimes. And it's just kind of this look of like, I don't know that I want to know what she's really thinking. Yeah, at that exactly. <laughs> it's a double-edged sword. Okay, yes. so that's on the way this hour right here on Animal Radio. Stick around for that. Of course, we'll take your calls. And we'll also do a quick check of the news at the bottom of the hour with Miss Lori Brooks. What are you working on? Well, there's been some studies out recently about animals that can count. And it's really been fascinating. But it's kind of up in the air still. Can cats count? Um, there's a couple of answers to that question. And so we'll go over that with you. Counting and talking animals. All here on wow. Animal Radio today. Yes. <laughs> Let's see. Um, how about Dave? Hey, Dave. How you doing? Hey, good. Where are you calling from today? Uh, Pennsylvania. Pansel, where? Which side? Yeah. We're almost near Allentown, Boilertown. Okay, so what's going on with your animal? I got a uh, yellow lab. She's seven years old. Uh, having problems with fleas. Mm. I mean, some severe problems. We bombed the house. We uh, had, I have two chihuahuas, and I have three outside cats. The cats are outside. They never come inside. Um mm -hmm. I seem to clear the problem up on the chihuahuas, but the lab, she just, it's awful. I mean, she got patches ripped out of her fur. I mean, I might as well shave her. She'd be bald. <laughs> wow. 
Okay. It's now, tell me. I, I, had took, I, I had tried the front line, the advantage. Uh, I tried Dippiner. I tried all kinds of sprays. I tried diatomaceous earth. Uh, okay. I'm just, I took her to the vet, got shots three times. Now, just, what kind of shots? What are you talking about? For the fleas. What? Instead yeah, of, but the, um, there's not really a flea shot out there. So I just, I mean, is that a steroid shot they did or more like an ivermectin shot? Uh, probably an ivermectin shot. Okay. All right. Well, that's, sorry, but I don't want to say that's hooey, but, you know, that's not going to help us at all. What, what, <laughs> what is that? I've never heard of that before. Well, ivermectin is a, an antiparasite medicine that we often use for things like, you know, different types of mites, and it's in a lot of uh, components. So it's actually in the monthly heartworm preventatives. Mm. Um, but a single treatment of that isn't really going to kind of nip the thing in the bud. And, and the thing that I would, the, when we have resistant infections or really overwhelming flea populations, we need to kind of back up and look at what fleas are all about and and they're not just what you see crawling on your dog or your cat that's the very smallest proportion of that life cycle and the, the biggest problem i see that folks do is we focus on what we see to evaluate how well we're doing our job at controlling fleas and the flea life cycle they only spend about five percent of their time as adults on the animal so the rest of their life cycle, they are living off the pet and in the environment. So if we're only using products that are going to kill those 5% on the animal, we're not doing a very good job because those other ones are going to have time to develop. So that's really important when you look at what products you're using and also frequency because the, the flea life cycle, it can take about approximately three weeks from them to go from an immature egg going up until an adult. So that cycle keeps going and going and going. And and actually, some eggs can wait almost a year to develop into adults. So we have to be consistent and continue our flea efforts. In some parts of the country, this is year-round. Um, and if you are in one of those areas, then we just have to stay up with it. Um, so the, the thing I would ask you to look at is some of the different products that you're using. You mentioned something like Frontline, which is it's, it's a fine product. But I would want to make sure if you're using that product, that you're using one called Frontline Plus. Um, there are different yeah. types of yeah. sterilizers in a lot of these products and that is in the frontline plus but not in the plain frontline just as there's some others like say in advantix um in versus advantix one versus advantix two so the the higher generation as i call it products actually have these sterilizers so those will what that does is they're going to try to help you with those other forms that haven't yet developed into the adult flea very important so the other thing is that i want to make sure that you know we're incorporating other ways to help kill off these fleas and a lot of times the other problem that I see that folks do is they try to tackle this on their own so it's kind of like trying to treat a kid with asthma without ever going to the doctor to get the proper medication so I would encourage you to work with your veterinarian and a lot of times I'll actually advocate using an oral product that will help to kill off the adults quicker than sometimes these other topicals can and if like your Labrador you're, you're describing a dog that sounds like she very well could have flea allergy dermatitis which is more than just a normal flea infestation some pets can have an exorbitant response to the saliva in from the flea bite and they can have one bite that sets them off for days weeks um, and, and they're just really furiously itchy from that so for those pets it's imperative that we do a good quick kill and a lot of these oral forms that you get from your vet 
You won't find those at, you know, the, the feed store or the pet store. You need to go to your vet to get those. Um, that will help to kill those adults quickly. And then a lot of those pets will also have to resort to steroids to really help comfort that itch so they don't tear themselves apart. Because um, they do get, certain dogs just get so miserable. And I know, hey, Hal and Judy, we've been through some of this with your oh, own yeah. babies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one so, of our um, cats uh, was just tore up with just bites and sores all over his body. That's what my lab has. She's tore up. Mm-hmm. Is there anything he can put around the house to keep the fleas away before they attack his pet? Well, I have a five-inch you know, round of diatomaceous earth right around the base of my house, which seen it, that, one and, thing and that, all the spiders, that's about it. <laughs> Yeah, and that's, you know, in theory that works great, but the problem is we have dogs that venture in and out the house. So you can treat a barrier, but as long as your dog is going outside, you know, that barrier is broken. So I'd rather folks not focus on trying to set up a perimeter because you're not going to be able to do that. Please have an amazing capability of not only transporting on pets, but jumping. So um, just try not to think in that way, Alan, because, you know, Gotcha. You'll go crazy trying to put like barriers up around your house to keep these critters out. She doesn't go outside, but I mean, I mean, I have to. She's a fair weather dog. She'll look out before she goes out, even if the grass is wet. She will not go in the grass. You have well, to take her downstairs out in the macadam. She's, yeah. uh, she's finicky that way, but she doesn't go outside very much. I mean, when I say very much, she might be outside at the at the max ten minutes a day. Other doesn't than matter. I take her, if I take doesn't her matter. You know, it does not matter. Fleas, they are very opportunistic, and it doesn't, they don't sit out there and wait for a dog to hang out for a half hour and then decide to ambush them. Just minutes. So really, just any any critter that walks outside in flea areas, you know, it's a reality, so... So, yes, I hate to say it, but I think there's a lot of opportunities that you do have in kind of addressing some of these products, the frequency, and and then really, you know, like I said, I I would, uh, you know, pick up the phone and and chat with your local veterinarian and see what else we need to do, especially for your Labrador, um, to get her some good comfort um, from that itching. Good luck, Dave. I know it's a tough battle there. I hope you win that. It is. Yep. Okay. We'll keep at it. Thank you. 1-866-405-8405. 1-866-405-8405. That is toll free to the Dream Team. It's Alan Kibble, and I'm so grateful to have a chance to talk to the world's best audience. I know you care about your dogs. Some of you care a little bit too much. <laughs> like the lady I was helping last week. While I was over at her house, she cut off a piece of cheese for herself. And while she was munching on it, her dog was fixated right on her face, sitting about two feet from us. She proceeded to feed that dog the whole six-ounce package of cheese. I was trying to explain to her why that's not such a good idea. And there's many reasons. But here's the amazing part. Less than 20 minutes later, the dog threw up all over the place. She started telling me that he throws up every day. I asked her why she thinks he does that. And she told me he has a very delicate system. My next question was, what other things do you feed him? Oh, there's all kinds of stuff. Cheetos, potato chips, egg salad, just about everything she eats. She told me he won't eat his dog food. (laughs) I laugh at it because of the absurdity. You know, the fact is she's taking years off her dog's life. And I politely told her I probably couldn't help her and I left. Some folks get dogs to fill holes in their lives. Maybe they're lonely or they suffered a loss. But it's so important to understand that dogs have needs too. Think of yourself as your dog's teacher and leader. Because your dog needs you to be those two things very, very much. If you have a dog or before you ever go out to get one, spend as much time as you can reading about dog behavior. Learning what it takes for a dog to be mellow, calm, and happy. Well-adjusted. 
knowing when your dog is anxious and fearful and what to do about it. When I was out with my dog two days ago, a woman said, that's what I want. I want a big, loyal dog. I smiled and I couldn't help but think to myself, I wonder if she knows what it takes to get one. The knowledge, the time, and the commitment. Does she know about those things and is she prepared for it? All too often, the answer is no. Many, many dog owners don't understand what their dogs are trying to tell them and they don't know how to teach their dogs. The good news is anybody can learn because there's tons of information available. You just have to go and look for it. If you make the commitment to be a great dog leader, you're going to have a great dog. Get more tips at AnimalRadio.com. We can't tell you why canine caviar is the only alkaline-based dog food, but we can tell you alkaline is proven to minimize the risk of renal failure and pancreatitis, reduce scratching, cellular degeneration, and disease, keeping your furry friend youthful and healthy longer. And those are the reasons we can fit into this short commercial. But by visiting CanineCaviar.com, you'll see exactly what we do to make a better food for your dog. Try the one and only alkaline dog food risk-free. Canine Caviar. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. You can ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. It's so easy to do, and the app is free, so download it now. And you can also call 1-866-405-8405 anytime, and uh, we'll hopefully answer your questions about your cats and your dogs and your little marmots and uh, uh, prairie dogs. And I say prairie dogs because Dr. Khan Slobotchkov, he was on, I would say, was it two years ago? It was a few years ago. A few yes. years ago. He's going to be on with us again. When he was on last time, he was talking about prairie dogs. I don't really remember. Was he was he talking about what they're, they're saying and, and how they communicate? How they communicate with each other, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's intriguing. And understanding so that we can understand their communication. Okay. Well, in a few minutes, he's going to come on and he's going to tell us that talking to our cats and dogs is not too far away in the distant future. Awesome. I'm just going to leave it right there and let him explain <laughs> in just a few minutes. <laughs> Uh, last hour, Lori reported on the the Smucker recall, and it's actually, uh, I believe, it's only a business recall now. In in, in other words, they're only recalling uh, the foods that have been affected from the stores. They're not actually asking you to return any foods as a uh, customer of or a client of Gravy Train. Yeah, it, it hasn't. It, right, it didn't get to a, a recall point. It got to um, where retailers were actually taking it off their shelves. Um, but you know that that could change. But you know, like we we talk about, there is a differing um, differing estimates of exactly how many cans of this affected dog food, either gravy train, kibbles and bits, Old Roy or Skippy canned or wet dog foods, how many cans is affected in these supposed bad batches contaminated with pentobarbital? Yeah, the the mm. FDA actually thinks there's less that are affected than Smuckers thinks. And by the way, I just want to throw this out there. I've always thought of Smuckers as a natural, good, healthy jam. But when you put the gravy train, the kibbles and bits, and the, uh, uh, what else, uh, the Skippy and the Old Roy label next to Smuckers, it kind of makes you think think because all of these are kind of low-grade foods in my personal and humble opinion 
Everybody looks at me here like we're going to be in so much trouble because you say that, Hal. <laughs> well, you know, no, no, no. Hal, like, go ahead. Oh, no, Sorry. I was just going to say that, you know, quality of food, name of food, you know, this is something we've seen, I think, a year or so ago. We saw with other brands of food that had pentobarbital in it. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's not just, you know, just a new thing. And, you know, I don't know, we talked about, like, why or how this comes about to be contaminated in, in the foods. I, I don't know if we all talked about that earlier. We did a little earlier, but go ahead. Tell us. Well, well pentobarbital is being basically the drug that we use when we euthanize patients in our hospital. So the concern is that pentobarbital is a drug that in the veterinary world we use to euthanize animals. So is a meat-producing animal being euthanized and ending up into the food chain? Um, So about a year ago, this happened with a couple other brands of food, and they looked at it and and found it, and they actually did DNA analysis to make sure that it wasn't like, say, a dog or a cat that ended up in, you know, the pet food. And they confirmed by DNA that there was, you know, no pet DNA in those foods that were affected. So therefore, you know, the thought was it probably came from some large animal in the food um, production world that was uh, euthanized and somehow mistakenly ended up in the food realm because that's not supposed to happen. That is not supposed to happen. Pentobarbital should not be used in animals that are destined to be in the food chain. Um, so that should never happen in a pet food. Um, so that does take some um, investigation to figure out how this happened, you know, where the production line, where this happened, um, because it should not happen. Even though they're saying small amount present should not be of a health risk, it's still unacceptable. I think to us as pet owners as well as to you know any company they need to figure this out do you think that uh, drug is actually the worst thing in that food <laughs> uh, you know i'm hell you're trying to get me in trouble here <laughs> i'm not going to speculate but i think when we talk about quality of meat sourcing this kind of problem raises a question you know when i have clients that complain about the extreme cost of pet foods well when you save a buck Sometimes you got to wonder the quality and the source of the meat protein you're getting it. And is it worth that extra cost for the higher quality food so that you could hopefully feel that this kind of thing doesn't happen? And uh, I think, you know, we need to look at more foods and do this kind of testing to make sure it's not happening on even an accidental basis. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Uh, Stay away from that for right now. We'll put all the lots that were affected up there at the website. What are you working on for this hour, Lori? Well, for pet parents who are in the dating world, um, or maybe just getting out there looking for someone special, starting to do that, we've got some great advice for parents, pet parents who, who maybe, you know, might be thinking about moving in with another somebody who's also got pets and how to do, how to introduce your pet to somebody new. It's just like introducing your kids to your new girlfriend. It's you gotta, exactly. Yeah. It is, yeah. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. The dog is being honored by a stamp in China to celebrate the Year of the Dog. Thousands of people gathered to buy the new stamps. Some believe that people born in the dog years are gifted with good traits such as loyalty, honesty, and security. Other collectors say the bark of a dog sounds like a Chinese word for prosperity or wang. 
Some famous dogs are Madonna and Michael Jackson. The Asian zodiac assigns a different animal to each year in a 12-year cycle, each born with a unique personality. A child born next year will be born in the year of the pig, which isn't as bad as it sounds. It's the sign of sincerity, purity, and honor. I'm Brit Savage, born in the year of the dog for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Hi, this is Park Overall. I am just thrilled about Animal Radio. Please stay and neuter your animals. Please. All dogs should eat a pH-balanced alkaline diet. An alkaline diet reduces health risks and can also reduce scratching, shedding, and hot spots. So does this mean you need to check your dog's pH balance? No, because canine caviar has created the first and only alkaline dog food that is pH-balanced. It also has the highest metabolized calories. What does this mean? Your dog needs to eat less. Get a healthier dog and save money with Canine Caviar products. Find them at your local pet supply store or online at caninecaviar.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at animalradio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Well, because everyone has their own opinion on whether dogs or cats are smarter, there's a new study out, we told you about it a couple of weeks ago, that uh, created quite a stir when it suggested that dogs might be smarter than cats, and now everybody's kind of weighing in. However, also according to this study, other less traditionally smart animals like fish and frogs, according to new research, are able to count. Now, in addition... According to that research, so can chickens and some monkeys, although scientists say research on cats being able to count is unclear at this point. And that is mostly due to the fact that, this is not going to surprise you, that cats are difficult to control in a lab environment. Really? So... Yeah. Can cats count? As with most things, the answer might be only when they feel like it. They did a lot of testing, really, and they decided that when the cats did decide to cooperate, they were as good at mathematical tests as fish. But one researcher says... Truthfully, often the cats did just walk away. But other researchers have long suspected that cats might have an abstract conception of numbers, but it's been suggested that they may be able to count up to six or seven, though sometimes three or four is more likely, according to most. So can cats count? We're going to have to make them sit in the lab a little bit longer till we get more information. Now, for pet parents, things can get complicated if you're in a relationship that progresses to the point, you know, about you coming over, the other one coming over and seeing your house and meeting your kids, your pets, maybe even moving in together. A recent article in Parade Magazine offered some really good advice to pet parents who are in the dating world. So if you're using dating apps to find a special someone for your life, be sure to include your pet in your dating profiles. So those prospects out there will know right there up front that your pet is a huge priority in your life. Uh, when you get to the point that you might want to introduce that new him or her to your pet, 
just remember to stay calm because your body language could confuse a fur child with a stranger in their midst, especially if they are on their home turf. You have a stranger coming into your home. That can be frightening to them. But because of that, experts agree your first meet and greet should be on neutral ground, maybe at a dog park or some other pet-friendly location, but someplace outside of your home. And if that won't work for you, then walk your dog out to meet that visiting special person and then walk back inside your home or your apartment together. It sends a message. I do this with my pit bull Tater and everyone who comes to my house for the first few times, uh, we will meet them in the driveway. And after doing that, I almost always go to the backyard where the visitor can throw a few balls for Tater and he can become ingratiated to them. So he will fetch and get some treats for being a good boy. And you might have to do this. Yeah. Yeah, it works really well for me. But you might have to do it a few times whenever that person visits. But letting your dog or your cat Make the first move to check out this new person is critical. So that's why I have them, you know, throw the ball. Tater will bring it back, and hopefully he will bring it back right to the person who will give him a treat. And that's what kind of reinforces things. Now, another great tip is to have the new human leave behind an article of clothing, maybe a sock or a T-shirt, and then give your dog or cat a treat every time you see them sniffing it. Because positive association with scent can go a long way in animals. Now, next week, we'll let you know expert suggestions for introducing pets to each other, meaning your new significant other's pets being introduced to your pets, which adds a whole new level to dating and moving in together. Um, thinking a lot lately about all of the things that are going on down in Florida and all they've had to go through. And our thanks this week to Jacob the Comfort Dog, who is helping people in Parkland, Florida, after that horrific school shooting that killed 17 people. Now, Jacob is a four-year-old specially trained golden retriever, and this is adorable. He wears a vest that says, please pet me. Unlike most other, you know, therapy dogs that say, don't pet me. Now, actually, Jacob is just one of 19 dogs who are helping the people there. And he's also part of a much bigger group of 130 Goldens called Canine Comfort Dogs, which is run by Lutheran Church Charities. They train the dogs to be therapy animals in disaster situations. So Jacob has been, unfortunately, building his resume lately. He's already helped survivors of mass shootings in Las Vegas and Orlando at the Pulse nightclub. But when the dogs like Jacob are not supporting people through their disaster response, they do other work. They're in libraries and schools, churches. They're out with first responders and at community events. Um, This vest is adorable, as is Jacob, who does smile, by the way. You can follow him on Facebook. His page is Jacob Comfort Dog. Mm. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. This is Animal Radio, baby. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Let's go to Danny. You want to go to Danny? Let's go to Danny. Hey, Danny, how are you doing? Hi, this is Danny from Orlando, Florida. 
Hey, got a question on a, a 10-year-old kids who I have. Okay. We okay. took her for the first time to the groomer yesterday, and after she got home, she was, like, licking her parts and constantly, like, in pain. All night, she spent crying and crying and crying. Now, did you so, say um, 10 years sorry, old, and this is the first time she's been groomed? Yeah, so usually my wife does that at home. Oh, okay. I was going to say, how in the heck does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, usually my wife does it, but this time, for some reason or another, we decided to take her to the groomer to do a better job. Okay. All right, but gotcha. uh, the dog's been in pain for the last 24 hours. I could tell that it's red around her areas. Uh, okay. I went to PetSmart and got, I guess, some uh, ointment for burns. But uh, is it something that's normal? Should I take her to the vet? Well, it kind of depends. Um, and presuming that you've got some clipper irritation there, which is, is not uncommon, there are pets that certainly have a very sensitive skin and are more prone to that. Um, or for pets that have a really close clipping, say if you've got matted areas or you're going for that close summer cut, you might be more prone to getting clipper irritation, especially in some of the delicate areas like, you know, the genital areas, the armpits. Um, uh, those can be really sensitive when they get the clippers that just kind of rub up against the area. So um, if it's a mild um, abrasion, so if the area is just red and kind of what I would equate, so no worse than like a, a skin knee, then then I'll often use like a topical over-the-counter steroid cream, just kind of like a cortisone type thing for people. But it becomes a challenge because a lot of dogs become so obsessed, they're so itchy, scratchy, that they can make these type of areas much worse very quickly. So it is important that we either find some way to relieve their discomfort, or at least if it's a localized area, we can put like a Elizabethan collar on, a cone on to keep them away from that because repeated licking at those areas will definitely definitely set in bigger problems. So it's hard to say without seeing your baby, but um, you know, a topical cortisone cream might be a realistic thing. Sometimes I'll even use a, an oatmeal shampoo as just kind of a soothing thing that you can try at home. Um, but if she seems like she's really that uncomfortable, it might be worthwhile to get her over to the vet just to see if they need to give her some pain medicine or um, get her on an antibiotic sometimes. What do you think about mm. that groomer there, Doc? Do you think that... Uh perhaps they shouldn't go back to that groomer? I mean, is, does well, it sound like that's a groomer problem? It, not necessarily, because it can really depend on what the goals were with the grooming. And that's why I say if a pet is matted and they are kind of have no choice but to do a close clip, it's a function of the matting or what the desired clip is. So for me, if I have a dog that this happens to, um, I'd like to have a heart to heart with the folks and say, you know, maybe you don't really want to keep him that short. We'll go with a longer clip or ask the groomer to use a longer blade next time. And then if it's something like the pet is really matted, then it's just a matter of staying up with those um, grooming frequencies. But, you know, there are some dogs that, you know, just they can have a lot of sensitivity. And if you think about it, especially for ladies, you know, if you're shaving those delicate parts, you know, when that hair grows in, it naturally itches. So, you know, if you got a little close clipping, um, you know, for a dog, it's easy to understand how they can be irritated and, and develop redness. So I don't, I don't often blame the groomer. I've only run into some truly bad groomers just infrequently. So... Okay, so I guess I'll try the collar and some cream, see if it gets better, because she has been licking a lot. So I think the collar might be a necessity. Yeah, and definitely it, it is individualized. So if it's a, like a single area, I'll often treat very conservatively. But if it sounds like what you're describing, it's kind of all over, you know, she might be a bit overwhelmed with the, you know, the areas. So I'd encourage you to have her looked at. Sounds good. I appreciate your help. 
Hey, no problem. Hey. Let us know how that turns out, okay? Thank you very much, guys. Have a great afternoon. Danny calling from Orlando this afternoon. Appreciate it. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Those big, scary storms can be terrifying for your pet. And we know that when they're stressed, so are you. Take good care of your buddy with VetraScience Composure. VetraScience Composure helps ease anxiety for pets caused by storms, travel, and owner separation. It won't sedate them, and your pets will love the taste. Also, try our Glycoflex for hip and joint health, as well as multivitamins and probiotics. Find VetraScience supplements at your local pet store, Petco, or your vet. Learn more at VetraScience.com. In today's automotive news, NADA Guides reports that trucks account for 67% of new vehicle retail sales through January 21st, the highest level ever for the month of January. It looks like trucks may become the new family vehicle. NADAguides.com also report that consumers spent nearly $25 billion on a new vehicle in January, an increase of more than $1 billion from a year ago. They are also reporting an average of 10% off MSRP can be gained due to a high level of cashback and incentive offers. For more, go to OurAutoExpert.com. I'm Nick Miles. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service from professional parts people you can trust. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. is animal radio and i would love absolutely love to talk to my cat have a conversation with my cat i mean currently we meow back and forth to each other and yeah, you do have conversations do have, but nobody understands what the other one is saying i don't know what they're thinking and uh, they certainly probably maybe thinking that i'm a crazy guy who's talking well then maybe they do know what you're saying who knows <laughs> who knows but uh, the pet translator may not be so far off into the future, and that's according to Dr. Konslobotchikov, who's joining us again. How are you doing, Doc? I'm doing great. How are you? Very good. So what is this deal about the pet translators? Is this something that we really will see in our lifetime? Yes, I, I think that we'll see it in probably about five years or so. Really? Wow. And how accurate will it be? Because I know you can get novelty items right now, but they're just for game and fun and games. Sure. Well, we're using science to do this. And so it should be really accurate. It should tell you what the dog is thinking, what the dog's emotions are like, what the dog wants to do. So it will be quite accurate. I need to know more about the science behind this because I'm a little bit skeptical. I have a hard time telling what my wife wants and the communication between my <laughs> wife. And, and I understand uh, between generally men and women in general can get a little foggy. We can't really understand each other. How is it going to be possible that we really get a grasp of what our animals are saying? Well, let me start with men and women. Okay. We know that body language is a big component of people understanding what other people are saying. And in fact, some studies have shown that in a conversation between two people, 90% of the meaning is conveyed by body language and only about 10% is conveyed by what they say. Wow. So if the man says something like, I love you, 
And the body language says something like, oh, I really hate to be here right now. <laughs> what do you think the other person is going to pick up on? The uh, I love you or I really hate to be here right now. They'll pick up on the I hate to be here right now. Maybe not necessarily consciously, but they'll think uh, this person doesn't mean I love you. Yeah. So body language is a really big component of communication in, in people, and it turns out to be a big component in communication in animals as well. And so what we're going to be looking at is both the body language of dogs and the vocalizations of dogs, and then using artificial intelligence to combine those two to come up with a accurate reading of what the dog is trying to communicate. Dr. Debbie, you look stunned. Yeah, I mean, it sounds fabulous and it sounds wonderful, but I'm just thinking of all those variables, you know, the, you know, dogs that, uh, um, you know, have something medically going on and are they going to actually be speaking what's going on? Because do they understand what's going on? Can they describe pain? Can they describe my abdomen hurts um, versus, you know, what a person could, you know, conceptualize and put in, into words? Well, actually, there's a very recent study using artificial intelligence that shows you can use artificial intelligence to figure out sheep's pain from their facial expressions. Huh. And the other thing is that uh, there's a person who has been teaching dogs to communicate by pointing to various parts of their body that hurt. And she has found really remarkable success by when she's taught the dogs this kind of pointing language, that the dogs can actually point to areas that hurt. And when she takes them to the vet, the vet says, yep, sure enough, that's a problem with the pancreas or something along those lines. Hmm. So we know that dogs can actually do that. And we know that artificial intelligence can actually read things like pain signals and uh, other kinds of expressions. Do you think it'll be harder to communicate with cats? <laughs> well, no. Uh, cats also have a rich body language. And they also have uh, vocalizations uh, one study found that cats had somewhere over 120 different kinds of vocalizations. So I think that it would be just as feasible to do that with cats. Now, do you really want to know what your cat is thinking? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> Good point. Now, now, if this is a translator that helps me understand what they're trying to communicate, will they be understood? Is there like a, a reverse translator so they can understand what I'm trying to communicate to them? Well, that would be the ideal. And that's a slightly harder problem than the one-way sort of thing. But it may not be as much of a problem as I currently think it is because a lot of dogs actually understand what you're saying to them. For example, there's a dog called Chaser, which knows upwards of about a thousand words in English. There's a dog called Rico, who knows upwards of 300 words in German. Wow. So dogs actually know a lot of what we're saying to them. And we people are really bad at figuring out what dogs are trying to say to us. Mm. So when it comes back to us, it's going to say, I know what you said. Quit saying it over and over again. I already understand <laughs> you. You don't need to keep repeating yourself. That's right. Well, this is intriguing. I sure hope, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. I never thought I'd live in an age where you have the iPad tablets or the watches that you talk into like Dick Tracy or any of that kind of stuff. So to have a pet translator, yeah, 
okay, maybe it could happen. And we'll certainly see. Hopefully you are right. Dr. Konslobotchikov, thank you so much for joining us today. Can I, can I just mention one thing? Absolutely. Can I mention that if people want to find out more about this, they can go to my website called Zulingua.com, which is the website for my company, Zulingua which is working on this pet translator. Awesome. And we'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.pet. Doctor, we hope to speak to you again very soon. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's time for us to all rock and roll on out of here. And of course, as we always say, if you need a fix during the week, download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. Have yourself a good one. Bye-bye. Bye. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.